So we are thinking, for the next couple more weeks, we're thinking about what the Bible means for us today to, to try and continue to build. As a, as a church, we may go through a lot of questions that we, we take for granted. There may be things that we implicitly understand, but we actually, we actually want to reaffirm them and confirm them. So we want to just think about that this morning. And we're thinking this morning about, is the Bible relevant? I, uh, talking about relevancy, I, I spent the week at the General Assembly this week. And I, I'm just going to stop. There is, there is a bit of feedback here, boys. I'm not sure what, if you just turn me down a bit. And, and this is an example of what we had at the General Assembly. Throughout the General Assembly, it was on Zoom. So Zoom was on, Zoom was on, and there were people saying, mute, and can you hear me, and blah, 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 yada, yada. And it made me think about what relevance was. You know, with this modern technology that we all have, that we're all dealing with all the time, is, is it good? Is it, is it worthwhile? And is everything that's new better than everything that is old? And actually, I, I'm okay with changing for, for better, but it does, it does bring challenges. But also, it doesn't mean that everything that's old is bad. The General Assembly normally meets in, in, in New College at, at Edinburgh on the Mound, and you're usually in a building, you're usually squashed in, you're usually sweating, like this morning. And, and all sorts, I'm, I'm going to have to take my jacket off, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm pure roasting. I'm glad I didn't wear my summit this morning. Where was it? Yeah, General Assembly, it's, it's one of these things that has been handed down from the years gone by to, to work on decisions for the Church of Scotland, and a lot of it is a waste of time. I'm sorry, it's out there, it's on, it's on YouTube, but it's true. But how many times have you, there is good in the General Assembly as well, there is good in the General Assembly, it's good to meet together, it's good to chat together, but how many times have you come to the Word, the Word of God, which is what we've spoken about, the Word of God, and you've thought, well, what's this got to do with me? Where is the relevancy of this? And I wonder if you were to go out and ask people in the street, if I was to ask all of you in this building or at home on YouTube this morning, what do you think of the Bible? How do you feel? The answers that we would get, some would be quite interesting. Probably a lot of stuff like it's old-fashioned, it's boring, it's nonsense, it's irrelevant. It's got nothing to do with my life in 20th century Scotland. As followers of Jesus, as those who are interested in Jesus, for those who are thinking about what Jesus means for their lives today, what do we do with this, as the Bible tells us, God's revealed written Word? Why bother reading it? 
what can an ancient book, a very, very old book, have to say to our refined and sophisticated minds? There was a snail, and he had recently been stepped on. He'd survived, but his, his shell had been broken. He had no home. And someone else asked him, how do you feel? And he said, sluggish. <laughs> I wonder if that's how you feel when you come to the Word. I wonder if that's how you feel when you come to, to look at and read and, and think about God's Word. Is it out of date? Is it irrelevant? I think there's two reasons why it is in date and it is really relevant. Because I think when folks say it's irrelevant and it's out of date, they confuse relevance with popularity. You see, the Bible covers everything from life to death, good and evil, gender, sexual purity, marriage, divorce. It covers everything in this book. The problem is that much of what the Bible teaches goes against our modern sensibilities, doesn't it? Everything that modern culture would hold dear, the Bible has a word to speak about, and sometimes it's a tough word. But also the second reason is many think that newer is always better. So the Bible as an ancient book is considered as a waste of time with nothing, nothing to share because we've learned so much more. In the book of Psalms, in the first Psalm of the book of Psalms, it says these three verses. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but, those, but whose delight is in the Lord, and who meditates on His law day and night. And the one who meditates on the law, God's Word, is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither, whatever they do prospers. The one who delights in the law, who meditates on the Word, yields fruit, prospers, and perseveres. This is what God's Word has for us. This is what God's Word has for you and me. But let's, let's dig in a little further. Former Prime Minister Stanley Baldwin said that the Bible is explosive. And Mahatma Gandhi said the same word. He said, you Christians, you have this Bible that is like dynamite. If only you would let it go. There's so much in here that we can get if we let it go and run after and through us. And there's much in here that will give you plenty of questions. And that is a good thing. I want us to engage with this word. You know, I spoke about it a few weeks ago about how we need to ruminate on it. You know how a, a cow chews the cud and, and, and swallows it and then regurgitates it and, and all that kind of lovely stuff? I think in, in a very real sense, we are to do the same with God's word here. We are to ruminate on it. We're to chew on it. We're to think about it. We're to digest it. And sometimes we need to bring it back up and we need to think about it again. And the things that challenge us, we need to think deeply on. 
We're meant to chew on this stuff. And the thing is, let me give you an example. If your house was on fire and you were in your bed and you were sleeping and I saw that your house was on fire, would you, would you thank me if I thought, nah, he's sleeping. I'll just walk on by. Of course you wouldn't. You would want me to knock on the door, hammer the door down, wake you up and your kids and your dog and all that stuff and get you out of the house. Or another example, if you had a disease, a a potentially fatal illness, and I had the cure, would you thank me if I didn't tell you about it? Of course, you wouldn't. You would want, despite the pain, despite the, the hardships, you would want me to tell you. You'd want me to get you out of your bed. There would be pain, there would be distress, but you would be alive. The Bible, the Bible brings truth, but sometimes it's hard. The Bible shows us that we are in rebellion against God. And if we're going our own way, we will die in our sins. But God has made a way for us. God has made a path for life, and that is by putting our faith in Jesus Christ. Culture doesn't want to hear this. Culture doesn't want to hear this good news. But it is as relevant now as when it was written that Jesus can save us from death, from fear, from loneliness, from hell. I, I, I have a, um, in, in, in my, I have a bathroom. I, I, I'm consigned to the bottom bathroom in the house. Everyone else uses the top bathroom. But in, in my bathroom, in my shower room, there is a calendar. There's a calendar. And today's one, as I was flipping over, it's from Max Lucado. He was saying, you know, the truth of the Bible is that there is eternity after this life and there is a heaven and there's a hell. We're told there'll be a new heaven and a new earth. There's also a hell. And as you struggle, some folks will deny hell today, even though the Bible tells us. But if you think about it, if we believe in a God of justice and free will, if people choose not to be with God, and if we believe that God is going to bring justice, there must be a place where God is not there. And we're told that that is what hell is. If people choose, if they want to go their own way, God will answer their prayers. Now, this is not happy news, but it is relevant news. Jesus can save us from this. The Bible cuts to the heart of it all. Hebrews 4 verse 12 says, For the Word of God is alive and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. This Bible gives us the truth. Penn of Penn and Teller, I don't know if you know Penn and Teller, the magicians, but Penn is a, a very outspoken atheist. He, he does all sorts of campaigning for atheism. And he says, how much do you Christians hate someone if you believe in everlasting life but don't tell them? 
And this is from an atheist. But how much, he says, do you Christians hate people if you don't tell them the good news? That is a challenging word. If the Bible is true, if the Bible is trustworthy, we cannot keep it to ourselves. It's relevant, but perhaps not popular. The truth of sin, of judgment, of righteousness, these things have never been popular throughout the ages. We never welcome the message that we are guilty sinners. But I know I needed it to hear it, and I know that I still need to hear the truth, that I am fallen, but through Jesus I'm being made new daily. You see, the Bible speaks to the biggest questions of life. It goes deep. It goes into the marrow. It goes into the joints. And it contains God's answers to the questions that we would otherwise have no answers for. Nicky Gumbel was on a, a Church of Scotland ministers and, and elders. We managed to arrange an alpha Zoom call with Nicky and the moderator and all sorts of stuff. And Nicky Gumbel was saying in that call, there are three things that people, young and old, are looking for. They're looking for purpose, they're looking for belonging, and they want to feel loved. Why am I here? Where do I find community? What is the point of life? And Nicky went on to say, the answers to these questions are found in this Culture, science, philosophy would tell us there's nothing more. There is no meaning. There is no hope. We come from nothing. We're going to nothing from dust to dust. But deep down, each of us, I think, know that life, the universe, everything is too precious, too complicated to be accidental or pointless. A former bishop of Rochester said the Bible is a portrait of the Lord Jesus. The Gospels are the figure of the portrait. The Old Testament is the background pointing towards him. That's necessary for the picture. The letters, the epistles are the clothes that he wear. And as you study the portrait as a whole, the miracle happens. The figure comes to life and steps down from the canvas written on the paper and becomes our teacher our Lord, to interpret the scriptures he has left us. Theonoustos, God breathed, the Bible speaks, the Bible is inspired. From beginning to end, we see that God is creator, king, and savior, and that there is a reason for life. There is value, there is a purpose for us all. Isaiah 43 said, everyone who is called by my name I created for my glory. You and I are created for the glory of God. We are to shine for Him, the light of the world, to shine for Him, to reflect His awesomeness to the world. But there are big questions. There are questions that each one of us are tuned with now thinking about the things that I've just said, you have got questions. You've got stuff going on and you're thinking, I don't agree with that. Or I agree with that. That's awesome. Or that's a lot of rubbish. There's all these questions that you are to ruminate upon and think about. And probably the biggest question that 
maybe you have, the world definitely has, as if there is an awesome, all-powerful God, why is there suffering in the world? It's one of the biggest questions we often face on the Alpha Course. C.S. Lewis says that God whispers in the pleasure but shouts in our pain. And pain is often the megaphone to rouse the world. Suffering makes us ask why, because we know life is not meant to be that way. Why do evil people get away with it? We cry out for justice, because this is not how it's meant to be. But in the Bible, we see that one day justice will come, that suffering will end. Suffering comes in with the rebellion in the garden, with the free will of the people who chose to eat from the apple. But it will end when Jesus returns. And the thing is, the Bible tells us all about it if we take our time to read it. Evil has an expiration date, and those who reject God will be granted their wish. They will get what they want. But those who live for Him, those who choose Him, will be with Him for eternity. We find the key in Jesus, and He is found in His revealed Word, which challenges, which answers questions, but shows us how to live. It's ancient, but it's not out of date. Its truth remains the truth throughout the generations, through all generations, whether it is popular or not. But of course, you know I'm going to say this, don't you? you? You know that this is what I'm meant to say. You know this is what ministers do. But the truth is, if we didn't have this, we'd be lost. If we didn't have Jesus, we'd be lost. We need to apply it, however. We need to put it in our day-to-day lives. Martin Luther, the great reformer, said that Scripture is like the manger, and you don't inspect the manger for its, its good carpentry or its, its, its joint work. You worship the Savior within. It's no good if our reading doesn't bring us to Jesus. Luther also said that Scripture is alive, it has hands and feet, it runs after us, it grabs hold of us. How do we let Scripture speak? Well, time is your most valuable possession. It's probably the thing that you think you've got least of. Time is what's always getting squeezed. But we need to set time aside to read His Word. I like to find a quiet place. I like to get a wee corner and and sit with my Bible, with my my diary, so I can I can kind of work it. If things come into my head. I can just put them in to my diary or my notebook. I have a journal as well. With my Bible, my diary, and my notebook, I spend time with the Lord. And when things come in that, that get in the way, I scribble them down and forget them. But as we study the Word, we need to think about three questions. What does it say? What does it mean? And how does that apply to me, my family, my work, my neighbors, and the culture? and we need to let God speak. D.L. Moody said that the Bible is not there to increase our knowledge. It's not to make us look smarter, but to change lives. That's why the Bible is not like any other book. It changes lives. It transforms us as we 
welcome him in by the power of the Spirit. If our encounter with the Word is not life-changing, then we're not spending enough time in it, and we're not submitting and letting the Holy Spirit work through us. So, folks, I want you to know that the Bible is the most relevant book in the world. It's tough. It's not easy. But it gives us the answers we need for our lives. It shows us our purpose. It shows us where we belong. It shows us that we are loved. But it will challenge our beliefs. It will challenge our morals and our ethics. But that doesn't mean it's out of date or irrelevant. God's truth remains the truth, whether it is popular or not. You may have heard of Billy Graham, world-famous evangelist. Billy Graham, when he became a Christian, he began to read the Bible, and there were people who knew him and knew the life he led and said, how can you believe all the bits of the Bible? And, and Billy Graham discovered that he didn't have the words to reply to them. He was struggling. He was becoming very muddled in his answers. So one night, he went out into a field, and this is what he says. I went out in the field, got my Bible in the moonlight. I went to a stump, a, a tree stump, and put the Bible on the stump, and I knelt down and I said, Oh God, I cannot prove certain things. I cannot answer some of the questions that people are raising, but I accept that this book, by faith, is the Word of God. And I stayed by that stump, praying wordlessly. My eyes were moist. I had a tremendous, tremendous sense of God's presence. I had a great peace in my decision that I had made was right. Each one of us needs to make a decision. A decision to follow Jesus and to learn how to live like him. And we need to decide if we believe that this is the relevant, revealed Word of God. And if we meditate on his law day and night, we will be like the one who is planted by the stream, who produces fruit in season, whose leaves never wither, who prospers. Produce, persevere, prosper. As we meditate on His Word, as we let it seep in, marinate in us, as we follow it and live by it, lives are changed. Our lives are changed and the ones that we share the good news with, their lives are changed forever too. Let's pray. Father, grow in us a dependence on your word. Grow in us a living faith set on fire by Jesus. Holy Spirit, come and indwell us forever. Hold us, keep us, stretch us, and grow us. May we live for you 
and all that you have for us, that we will have purpose, belonging, and a reason for it all. In your name we pray. Amen.